NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. In 1951, the West Indies completed a victory over Australia at Adelaide Oval. It started on day one as the great Frank Worrell took six wickets to roll Australia for 82. Worrell would eventually be a far more important figure in cricket when he would take over as the first permanent West Indies black captain. But as a cricketer, he was so talented. Despite averaging almost 50 with the bat, in this game he opened the bowling with his left arm seam as well. And while his eventual figures would suggest more of a part-timer, he probably could have been better than that if needed. But even after Australia took those early wickets, Australia did fight back pretty hard. Bill Johnston dismissed West Indies for 105. He was an extraordinary bowler, one who was a mixture bowler, could deliver pace or seam. He was outshone by being around when Australia had Miller and Linwall, but Johnston took 160 wickets at 24 in Test Match Cricket. Clearly, though, the pitch evened out a little bit after day one, and Doug Ring made a 60 for Australia in the second innings. He was a leg-spinning all-rounder and never quite made the most of his obvious talent. Backing him up was Arthur Morris, a player of endless elegance who might have ended up as a legend if not for the first part of his career running into World War II. But West Indies were kept in the game by the slow left-arm orthodox of Alf Valentine. He was tall and quicker than usual for a spinner, and he really ripped it. He was selected from nowhere from West Indies cricket with barely a first-class wicket to his name, and at this stage he was still fairly new to international cricket but had already caused England many problems. Here, his wickets were regular enough to keep the total manageable. But in a low-scoring game, Australia set the West Indies a 233-run trace. On the last day, the West Indies managed to get their only four wickets down to complete a remarkably easy win considering their first innings. Now, that match wasn't that remarkable, but there is a reason I am telling you about it. That fourth innings chase for the West Indies? That was completed just after lunch on Christmas Day. We're taking a holiday from our current season to talk about cricket and Christmas. Even though many of the cricket world, myself included, are not Christians, Christmas has obviously always played a part in cricket, perhaps no more than Australia. And so this episode will look at cricket and Christmas. Right now, there is a push within Australian cricket for a big bash game on Christmas Day. It's actually something that happens quite a lot. You can find articles back to around 2016 where it starts to be mentioned. In the US, there are sports played on that day, and now Australian basketball will be staged on Christmas as well. So there's a very big chance that the Big Bash will eventually appear on Christmas Day. But as I showed you in the opening, cricket has been on Christmas Day in Australia before. That match in Adelaide that I mentioned wasn't even the only test played there on Christmas Day. The second one that was played there was started on the 23rd of December, and it had a rest day, but the 24th of December was a rest day. At first, I assumed that the idea was for the Aussie players to do some last-minute gift shopping. Except, quite quickly, I worked out the real reason was that Christmas fell on a Monday, and they had a rest day on a Sunday, which was very common back then. But there is just something very odd about thinking that a Sunday was a more important day to have a rest than actual Christmas day. 
This game had some incredible players involved. Simpson, Laurie, Gleason, Ian Chappell, Chandrasekhar, Pasana, Engineer, and Wadika. However, it was Bob Cowper who scored the runs in the first and second innings. He made almost 10% of his career runs in this match. Saeed Abid Ali took six wickets in the first innings. In his other 28 test matches, he took only 41 more wickets. India eventually had to chase 398 after Christmas Day. But David Renneberg took a five-wicket haul. The fast bowler only took 23 wickets in his entire career. It was like all these players got a magical cricket Christmas gift. Returning to the theme, this test match also wasn't the only time that Australia and India played a test match on Christmas Day. They did it again later in Chennai. Doug Walters made 100, and he was a hell of a player, averaging 48. But he didn't have as much luck when he played overseas, so this was certainly one of the best innings he did. For India, Tiger Patuti made runs. This was almost a decade after his eye injury in a car crash that turned him from a potential great to more of a solid player. That he still ended up with an average of nearly 35, considering everything, is remarkable. The Australian off-spinner Ashley Mallett took five wickets in each innings as Australia won that test by 74 runs. Ashley Mallett was never completely won over by the Australian fans. He still has a better test average than Nathan Lyon. And then the last test match I could find with a day of play on Christmas was England's tour to India in 1972 for a test in Delhi. The match started on the 20th of December, so technically it could have finished by the 24th. But the third day, a Friday, they had a rest. A couple of very good spinners had some great spells in that test, Chandrasekhar and Underwood, who were not only two of the best spinners of the era, but probably two of the fastest as well. But England set up that win with Jeff Arnold, a seam bowler, who took a six-wicket haul on day one, and then they ended up chasing 207 in the last innings with Tony Lewis making 70 not out on debut, and on debut as captain. He captained in his first test match and also was out there hitting the winning runs. He did that on Christmas. I think Tony Lewis might be the only test captain to hit the winning runs on Christmas Day in his debut. But cricket has had other big occasions on Christmas Day, even without any play. I've told the story before of what happened at the Tangawai disaster, when New Zealand seamer Bob Blair was in South Africa on a rest day of a test match, and he got the news that his fiancée, Nerissa Love, had passed away in a train crash. There are whole episodes that I have done on this, and you can certainly check those out. But the interesting thing about that Bob Blair thing is the cricket side of things, his actions out on the field with Sutcliffe were on Boxing Day. And for cricket, that's when the action is, right? While cricket doesn't mean all that much to many people involved in the sport, Boxing Day does. It's a day when we often have two and sometimes three tests at the same time. We can have lots of limited overs games as well. In fact, there is always a game on. And it's at the end of the year and it becomes a celebration. And while the MCG Boxing Day tradition is kind of over-egged, before 1980 really wasn't a thing, there had only really ever been a few of those matches, and in fact, shield cricket was often played on Boxing Day. But as Australia does, it turned a short-term fad into maybe one of the most sacred traditions it has. One of the most important things about it is when Melbournians took to this day, it became an incredible day of cricket to visit. Boxing Day in Melbourne is not like other Test Match crowds. It's casual fans. It's a different atmosphere. And there are thousands of them. It makes Test Cricket feel more vibrant and exciting, even if it's only for one day. But of course, while we fixate on Melbourne and their Boxing Day, New Zealand and South Africa have their own as well. New Zealand started theirs in the late 90s and certainly didn't have Tests as often. 
quite often they would use those days for limited overs matches as well, which also, I suppose, became a mini Boxing Day tradition. After readmission, South Africa played them a lot, with usually Durban or Port Elizabeth hosting. Of recent times, Centurion has had them. Now, of course, South Africa doesn't host test matches when they're in Australia, which has always been a bit of a sticking point between the two nations. But it's also not just about those three nations. The Boxing Day tradition is far more than that. Just because so many teams from around the world have played on these dates as well. It's one of the few days of the year you just know there is going to be cricket on. And also, probably in your time zone. The Magic Boxing Day is when there is a test in each one of those nations. And for 18 or 20 hours, you have test match cricket to watch. But even when New Zealand have one-day games or when South Africa is on tour to Australia, there's still a lot of cricket to watch on Boxing Day, even a big bash match now. You can have an entire day of watching cricket. So no matter what you believe, Christmas is important to cricket. Not as the day that was picked as Jesus' birthday, that obviously wasn't, but instead as a great Boxing Day Eve celebration. If you love our sport, no matter what your beliefs are, the 25th of December is the night before Christmas. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast at free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Podcast Network.